This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Welcome, friends, to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Shlomo Buxbaum here. This is a great pleasure. Today is going to be a Rebetzin takeover of the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, which we haven't done in a while, and we're long overdue. We love Rebetzin Takeover. Or Rebetzin Takeover. Yeah. The, the listeners love Rebetzin Takeovers. We are end of December when we're recording this, probably beginning of January when it's being launched. And for those who are listening, you know that this is an auspicious time in the Jewish calendar as well, even though New Year's is not a Jewish holiday, but it is a transitional a moment in the Jewish calendar. We're beginning a period of Shovavim, beginning with the book of Shemos. And I always find that this time of year is really good to work. I mean, even the time of Shovavim is an auspicious time to work on Shalom Bayis, which means peace in the home. Try to get your family things in order. It's a time to work on personal purity, elevating ourselves in many, many different ways and, and, uh, and, and really bringing more serenity and peace to the home. So... Maybe just for those who are listening for the first time, because you've spoken about Shovavim in the past, but just to recognize that Shovavim is that acronym for these Parsha titles, starting with Shemot, Ba'era, Bo, B'Shalach, Yitro, Mishpatim. If you take that as an acronym, this time is called Shovavim. Which is a quote from a verse, Shuvu Banim Shovavim, return. And that really gets the mystics into this whole idea of seeing this time as an auspicious time for self-growth. And we're going to go deep into that. Uh, in this podcast. So we have over here two master Rebbitsons, each one a powerhouse in their own home, one who I observe from afar, and that is Rebbitson Gila Ross. Welcome to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And somebody who I see up close and personal, Rebbitson Zvara Buxbaum. Welcome to back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Yay! So fun to be here. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I want to give an opportunity. I'm watching... Uh, for now, for several months, I see Rebetzin Gila from afar, and Rebetzin Gila is uh, now living in uh, in Denver, Colorado. We'll hear a little bit more about her journey, how she got there. Well, it's also a Colorado takeover. Colorado takeover. Results from Colorado. So she's living <laughs> in Colorado. I'm, living, I'm out of Colorado longer than I lived there, but you cannot take Colorado out of a girl. That is for sure. Right. <laughs> so. You, so the Rebetzin Gila is in Colorado. She is a mother of eight, I believe. She's an author and a parenting coach and a Rebetzin and a podcaster and an Instagrammer. So lots of things. We're going to get into everything. But Rebetzin, let me give you the the spotlight because this is sort of like, you know, you're, you're LinkedIn. But obviously, there's always something that drives, especially when we have people on the podcast that do so many different things. There's always something that drives you. So if I were to ask you, introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are you and kind of what is your driving mission in all of your projects? That's a super easy question to be asked, right? Like, what is your driving mission? But um, it's it's actually, it's, it's, it's interesting that you ask the question that way, because I kind of feel like my driving mission is people. I love people. I love getting to know people. And I love helping people live a life that they truly love. And um, as you said, I do lots of different things. And, um, you know, the driving mission between all of 
underneath all of it, underneath, you know, the content that I put out, whether it's on my podcast or social media, the book that I wrote is really helping people to find who they are and to bring that into the world in all different areas of their lives and to really just actualize themselves. Good. So I'm fascinated by your journey. So I guess I, I really want to hear. And I, to me, I feel so like just, I. <laughs> just hacking into your life itself will already be packed with lessons. Um, and 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 especially I, I would say like our lives, our lives are somewhat similar. You know, we're both in the in, in the field of Jewish outreach and uh, we have I'm sure our homes. lives are completely different, but in some ways, probably so, similar. Yeah. But let's just hack in. Let's start by hacking into your life. You have been to multiple places uh in, in professional yep. roles taking you to many places take us through that journey and then give us an overview of the journey and then obviously the next thing that i i would just be very curious to understand you know we've since our family has grown large we've pretty much stayed put over here we're in the maryland area and even just the small move that we've done from home to home has come along with so many emotions and transitions are hard and social life is hard so um what Tell us about your journey, and I'd love to know some of the um, some of the wins and some of the struggles that have happened along the way. Okay, thank you. So um, we, I grew up in in London in the UK. Um, after I got married to my husband, Rabbi Samuel Ross, who is a um, you know um, Jewish outreach um, powerhouse, and he, we moved to Israel because we we both kind of when we were dating, we both kind of discovered that we wanted to do, that we both wanted to do Jewish outreach. We wanted to go out there and and help the Jewish, the help the Jewish world in some capacity. So we, we moved to Israel. While we were there, we did a leadership course. The idea of the course was two years, it's a two-year course, and then you make a two-year commitment to go to a smaller Jewish community somewhere for two years at least. Coming towards the end of the course, and a position opened up in Berlin, Germany. Oh wow! Um, yes. Now, my my family background is I'm from um, my my mother's Moroccan and my father is from the UK. So I I'm not so I'm actually one of those rare Jewish people that doesn't have that family connection to the Holocaust. But my husband, on the other hand, he is um, his grandmother escaped from Germany, right? So his his connection to the Holocaust was much much stronger. We. Interviewed with um, um, Robert Josh Finner, who who was running the program, and we actually loved um, loved what he was saying. We we spoke to him, um, my husband's um, grandmother, and she was like, "Go, you know, go rebuild what's happening in in Germany." So we were there for a year and a half, um, which again was being in Berlin in Germany was an incredible incredible experience. Once we were there for about a year and a half, a friend of my husband mentioned that he knew a friend of his who lived in Calgary in Western Canada, who was looking for a young family to come out and look for a, you know, start some teen programs, some some college students, really to just kind of help. Did you um, have children at this point? Yes. So we had, um, when we moved to Germany, we had my oldest, um, he and then while we were in Germany, we I had my second. Um, um, so we had two kids at this at this at this time uh, point. My oldest was three. My youngest was was nine months old. Um, now, when we heard about Calgary, Canada, we had no idea where Calgary, Canada was. We googled it, and it's like 
well for people that are listening you can't see but it's it's not you, you know you have to you know toronto montreal's on on the east coast it's almost to the west coast so those, we, those of you who can't see the point is that you need a lot of hand motions to actually describe where it is it's that kind of place. exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly and you also need a big screen right because right. it's it's not even like if if you've got like i'm I'm on i'm on a phone right now and it's like i can't even show you it on the wide phone screen because, to, to yeah. exactly yeah. exactly it's 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 way out there um my husband went on a pilot trip and, you know, fell in love with the community. It's a it's a small community, but a very warm community. Um, he also went out in the summer. For those of you that aren't familiar with Calgary winters, Canadian winters, they are cold and then colder and then a bit colder than that. Oh, boy. Um, and they, they told him, oh, the weather is mild. So we actually went out. We moved out to Calgary. And we were there for, for four years. Now, towards, I guess, the end of, of, you know, our third year, the beginning of our fourth year, our oldest at this point was, was he must have been about turning seven. And the Jewish community there was very, very, the, uh, there's about 8,000 Jews in, in, in Calgary, of which maybe 1,000 are affiliated in any way whatsoever. So the school, the religious school that we were sending our, our kids to was small. And um, our rabbi at the time um, said to us, you know what, we think your, your your kid needs more. So we started to look out for different positions where we could give our, our kids a bigger Jewish um, um, infrastructure. And I guess this didn't come as a shock to you. When you moved to Calgary, I guess you knew that like there was a big question mark as to whether your family could be there long term. But that was something that you were you knew going in. Yes, yes, yeah, we knew. I mean, did we think up did we sit down and think about it so in deep deeply like how long can we stay here? No, but we knew that we couldn't stay. It, it wasn't a long term. There's no Jewish high school in 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 Calgary, not not any, not even a community Jewish high school. So we knew that it was post post elementary school, we couldn't stay there. So we we knew that. So then a position opened up in, in Vancouver. Um, Canada. Now, when we moved to Vancouver, Canada, here there at the time there was a um, a yeshiva high school and there was a a, a girls um, a religious girls high school as well. So we moved there with knowing that there's a potential that it might be long term, right? You never know. We, you know, you know, it's a smaller community. When 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 it comes to smaller communities, it very much depends on the year group of the kids and and all that. But we did think that this is potentially somewhere we can kind of um settle settle down because as you say you know and someone someone went last year when we announced that we were moving to Denver from Manchester UK someone says to me like you know don't you find it hard to move and I was like of course like everyone who kind of I think everyone who kind of moves moving is 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 tough right like it's 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 an adjustment it's it's you know it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. So by the time we were moving to, to to Vancouver, we were definitely looking to kind of find somewhere where hopefully we could stay long term. Man pants and God laughs, right? And while we were there, um, um, you know, as our as our son was 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 growing up, and and I think this was this was he was in in sixth or seventh grade. 12, 13, and we in in Vancouver they start high school in eighth grade. 
and we we realized that he was going to be in eighth grade with one other religious kids his one other kid in his in his grade my son's very sociable and he kind of you know it, it we just and we actually have a very interesting space because if you've ever dealt with um a, a you know a 12 year old middle schooler right they're not the most endearing age let's put it that way right <laughs> so so um you know there was a part of us and and I, I think moving is hard right and when it, when you have to make that decision of do i uproot my family to make something that to do something that is potentially better or the truth is I think that the, the decision process is the same for whenever you have to make a big life decision, right? Do I take a position that's going to make me, do I make the decision to, to do, to make, you know, a, a choice that's going to make me uncomfortable, but it's going to be better for my long-term growth. It's very easy to kind of fool ourselves, right? And to kind of say, well, who knows, we could move and it still wouldn't necessarily be better for, for, for him, which is true, Right. And we, um, we, this is a crazy story, what, what actually happened and how we ended up moving. Um, so we started looking and we were told, no problem, you'll find a position, no problem, you'll find something. We spent the entire year looking and every single thing, position that came up had a serious disadvantage. Either it was hours of driving to, to, to school every day, or it was like outside of, of, of a, just outside of community, which meant that our kids wouldn't have a Shabbat social life um there was every every position that came up so it was coming towards the end of the year june july and it was like crunch time you know what we, we got to make a decision so we went to our rabbi and we asked him we said look here's the situation we're living in vancouver things are good thank god our, our family's good but like our son's not thrilled and he's also he's going into those adolescent years this is is going to be with one other kid um, nothing else that has come up has been like, yes, this is what we should go for. So he turns around and says, he says, this is way beyond my pay grade. Go ask um, 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 right, the, one of the big rabbis of um, of our generation. So we were trying to get hold of him. It happened to be my husband got hold of him when I was out the house one day. And he ran through all the different options with him. And Reb Shmuel kind of like didn't really say. And and one of the things I learned from that conversation was how someone who's truly great and like seeped in in Torah values and 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 humble gives advice, right? Like he didn't turn around to my husband and say, "Don't do that, don't do that." He kind of just listened. And then out of nowhere, my husband mentioned to him, "We could move back to the UK, right?" Um, both our families are there, um, but we had looked, and there were no positions open. And Rav Shmuel said, wow, that's a great option. You're specifically talking about Manchester, UK. And my husband's like, you know what? We might have to leave the Jewish outreach world for that. We might have to go into business. And Rav Shmuel, like, he was like, it's a great option. It's a great option. And we, um, he, 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 finished, he finished the conversation. I came home. He told me the conversation. And this was like a bombshell, right? Because what Rav Shmuel was saying is like, your kids and what they were all saying is that your kid is heading into adolescence and we we want to set out there's no guarantees right there's no guarantees in life there's no guarantees with our kids but when a kid is going into those adolescent turbulent years we want to set them up in the best place possible now if you're setting a kid up into a place where there isn't really a social uh, life right and there's one other kid right like it, it's just 
you're not selling them up on, on a solid footing for those years. And he was saying it's better to go and 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 even leave the Jewish outreach, go get a job in, in, in business or whatever, right? Something that was such a like plot plot twist for us, right? Then then do that. So we my, had my mind thing. is racing right now, just yes. before we continue. I'm sorry if I can push pause for yeah, a second. Go ahead. My mind is racing because I, I am hearing a lot you're speaking about setting up your son and is, is this the right place for your son? And I'm just wondering for you and for your husband, were you, did you feel personally that you were thriving? And the reason that, and were you happy over there? And the reason that I ask that is because again, I can imagine our listeners or even thinking back to us different times in, in, in our life, often when you're making this decision about, you know, a, a person can be unhappy in their job and contemplating a change while looking at their child and their child is doing great and they're like oh i'm just gonna stay in this situation that i don't like because it's good for my child or a person could be in a wonderful situation but they're watching their kid fall apart and like i need to move for my kids even though i'm in a good situation and i think that often when people are making a decision about moving from one place to the next that is often where the tension comes and that is when do i put myself as a priority when do I put my child as a priority? And it sounds of here again, I'm not really clear as to how you and your husband, how it was for you right. guys, but it sounds of here like there's a heavy emphasis on doing what's best for your child. Even though now you're speaking about leaving a career that was clearly one that you were well suited for and that I'm assuming that you were thriving in. So 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 that that exactly is was the difficulty, right? Is that we were thriving in and and the question was really focused about our, our, this particular son, but the truth is it was a question that was going to hit in a few years for our, ne our, our next kids, right? So it's the question of the kids, but on, my husband and I ourselves were really thriving on wow. every level, right? Um, Career-wise, uh, you know, we we were doing really, really well. We were impacting the community, um, building things up. It was it was it was great, right? Like we were there already six years. Uh, uh, financially, we, it, it, it was a good situation. Um, being, feeling like part of the community was great. Socially was great. Like it, it, we were really, really wow. thriving there, and and that's why I think it, it's 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 so easy to get into that headspace of kind of like, well, who says it's going to be better? And and also I have to say is that our son wasn't yet falling apart, right? Like it wasn't like he was fifteen and he was hating everything, and it was like he wasn't yet falling apart. It just he wasn't thriving. That, that's what it was he wasn't thriving um like it was kind of like the seeds of 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 what was um um you know may or may not have happened right and and it could be very you could we could have it attributed it to and there were times where we kind of actually maybe it's just the age right maybe this is how 11 and 12 year olds are they're just like grumpy and miserable and and you know moody and all that right so so that 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 think was it was it was such a tough decision to make and and I, I remember when we when we first spoke about the conversation we said look I think in the Hasidic world they 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 have this they, they go and they ask the rabbi and then whatever the rabbi says they do right we're not Hasidic right so for us when we ask a halachic question when we ask a legal question we're bound to listen to it but when we're asking a life advice question we 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 didn't I didn't feel like I have to listen to it and um I remember I was speaking to a friend of mine and she and by the way this is why it's important to have those different types of relationships in our lives right like the mentors and and and, and the friends and I write about this in my book 
um, um, which we can talk about later. But um, and I spoke, I spoke to her. And she said to me, she says, Gil, but you asked because you didn't know what to do. And I thought about it, and I kept, that question hit me true. It like it's true. We asked because we genuinely didn't didn't know what to do. And when what finally made help me make that decision was I was I, we worked with teenagers, right? That's what we did in 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 Vancouver. And I didn't want to be at a place. I I, I know that there's. I, I have no idea what my kids are going like what decisions they're going to make in life. But when my child is eighteen or twenty five, I want to be able to turn around and say. To the best of my abilities, I did what I could for this child, right? Or for, for whatever it, 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 it child. And and eventually, and, and that's kind of what my, made us say, you know what? We're going to pick up and 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 move to the UK. At the time, we had six kids. Um, I was just in the early, early, early like stages of pregnancy with the seventh. Neither we both gave up you know, um, jobs, neither of us had any jobs um, um, that we were um, going to in the UK. And we moved to the UK. And again, we moved to Manchester UK thinking, this is it, right? My oldest is almost 13. His bar mitzvah was two and a half weeks after we, we got there. Um, we've, we've arrived, we're not moving again. Like it's too hard, our kids are too old, right? We're not moving again. And as we see, right? Man plans and God laughs and, and um, a few months ago, in August, we actually moved to Denver, Colorado. So, can I, that, can I ask what was yes. the driving force behind that move? I don't, I don't want to pry too much. I'm just wondering what was the driving force behind that. Um, so that is a really good question. And again, it was it was um, a work move. Um, about a year ago or so, someone that we know and that knows the organization, the Jewish Experience, that hired us in in Denver knew that we were open to new opportunities um, and knew that Rabbi, Rabbi Liban the, 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 um, was looking to hire for the Jewish experience. So he kind of wanted to connect us. And we were like, I mean, you can connect us, but we're not moving, right? We're, we're looking for a new opportunity, but it's in the, you know, maybe we'll move within the UK, right? We're not. Did you end up staying in Jewish outreach while you were in the UK? Yes. Yes. That's a whole nother story. We, 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 um, Within a couple of weeks um, that we got there, one of the organizations, local organizations, a donor um, gave off their money to to start a new pr um, project, and they they ended up hiring us, and wow, we were there beautiful. for. So you, okay. Yeah, so that that was again another yeah. story of of how kind of um um, you, yeah, that we we ended up. So we were there for about five and a half years. Um, got it. And then. And then um, back to what you were saying. So it, this wasn't something you thought you were going to be moving for just looking for an opportunity. You weren't really looking to move, but then you across the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, we weren't. Wow. Like it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to move. Sheesh. And the older your kids get and the more kids you have, the harder it gets, right? Like it, it's, it's, you know, um, and, and I'll be honest, like to move my, my oldest, okay, he's now 19 when we moved to his 18, um, I've got, you know, 16 year old, a 14 year old, a 12 year old, right? Like even younger kids, like it's to move kids in their teenage years or when they're a little bit older and they're settled and you're moving away them away from their friends and everything that they know is it's really, really a big deal. So so it wasn't something that we were like, yes, let's move. Right. Like, oh, what an adventure. Let's move. It was like, no, we're not moving. And then and, and it's it's. It's interesting because I look back and say, and I mean, 
we're still in the middle, right? We moved in August. It's now, I don't know, December, whatever it is. And I think like sometimes we fight and fight and fight what's supposed to happen. And it's supposed to happen anyway, right? So, so you know, it was a process. We, we, we first, I think, started conversations in November. We came out in February for a pilot trip. And then I think eventually, I think in May or so, we were like, okay, fine. Well, you know, we, we're going to do this. This makes the most sense for our family. And we're going to do this. Hmm. Uh, I want to ask a personal a personal question, if if you feel comfortable asking. I think that it's something that anyone in our answer, anyone in our space could appreciate. And I'm guessing probably the listeners in some way, wherever they are, can also uh, appreciate. But if I were to ask you now, you know, knowing that you've moved to a lot of different places, you know, you made a career choice. We we've made a career choice, right? That obviously, you know, our jobs do require they 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 can any rabbi any clergy right you're you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into the type of scenario where like if your job doesn't work out chances are you're gonna have to change cities you're gonna have to do a big move it's not like you're gonna go from one law firm to another law firm it's not like you're gonna go from one tech company to another it's not like oh this business failed i'm just gonna launch a new business very much like we establish ourselves in a territory and when that is not working we need to move and often we have big families does it ever do you ever look back at not now but at any point in the journey or maybe now did you look back and you're like wow like this would have been so much easier if i just became a, an accountant you know right and and i think look the question the question that I, I think um um you were asking is if you would have known how many times you would have moved would you have still chosen it right and and it's yeah. definitely question it's definitely a question that that i've i've you know looked at the, the um um a lot right because as you say it is one of kind of the perils of the career, right, is that people in in rabbis or people in outreach often move move a lot, um, and it's interesting because I, I speak to a lot of people, right, where between the education that I do and and the coaching that I do, and one of the things that I've learned is that everyone has something, right? Doesn't matter how put together someone looks on the outside, everyone is grappling with something. And this is what we grapple with. This is a challenge that we have. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that that kind of um, helped us, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, this last move just because it's the most recent one, was that perspective of knowing that, you know, I don't know how God runs the world. I don't know what his plan is. But if this is, if this is the challenge and the struggle that God has given our family that we move, you know, that is, then so be it, right? Like, we don't know what it could be. Right? We don't know what it could be, but everyone has something that they're grappling with. Everyone has some challenge that, that they're dealing with. And I don't know. That's a great perspective. Yeah, beautiful perspective. I love that. We were actually just discussing that a little bit this week. Um, but I'm happy for Denver. I'm very happy for the Jewish community <laughs> in Denver. I'm very happy for you guys because Denver is an amazing place. And it should be with so much blessing. Thank you. Amen, uh amen, and thank you still on your journey because again this episode is a marriage and and family strengthening episode so i'd be curious to hear what challenges what in in what ways i guess there had to be some way that you had to balance because these things do take a strain on 
a marriage, having to go through such major, de- even the decision making, forget about the actual move, but even just coming to a decision where you're on the same page mm-hmm. to make a major move in your family, I'm sure that that has its own complications in a relationship. And uh, I'm guessing probably at some point or another, out of eight kids in several moves, I'm sure somehow something must have, you know, brewed with at least one of them at some point. So um, could you share any of the struggles? <laughs> Can you share anything about that and where, you know, any any strategies that you used along the way to keep your family intact and keep everyone happy and happy with you? Right. So so um three things I'm gonna say. Number one is I think when you when for me anyway, when you're talking about making a major move like this, and maybe generally, I don't think the goal can be keeping everyone happy because it's not right and I, you know you're not going to keep them happy right moving is tough starting like let's talk about it from from a kid's perspective starting a new school is rough um, meeting up getting connected with a, a group of kids is is tough new culture and like we thought moving from Manchester to UK to America like okay at least it's English speaking but like mm-hmm. it is such a complete and utter upheaval, right? Complete and utter upheaval for every single person. So I don't think the goal could be to keep everyone happy, but instead to keep everyone feeling supported. And a couple of the things that I think have really helped and and I, I try to do is number one, empathy, right? Just knowing that this is rough. This is rough for all of us. We're in it together. And we're here for each other, right? So when the meltdowns happen and whatever, and and you know, and and like, just be there, right? Be there for each other, and kind of you know, like, realize that this is we're, this is rough. We're you know, we're we're all in this together. That like having that empathy um, for each other, and I think that empathy for each other is is it, it helps on some levels because number one, when we can get to that place where we can just like step into that place of having empathy for the other person, whoever it is in that relationship, we can respond in a better way, right? Like we respond in a more, in a softer way because yeah, I get it. Like it's, you know, it sucks to, to move, right. And it sucks to miss all your friends and it sucks to be the new person, right. We've, we've all, I, I think if you've ever moved your, or, you know, been, you, you, you experience some of that. So if you can tap into that, it helps us respond deal with it and 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 be there for the other person and i think the other thing that we've kind of tried really hard is perspective right is 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 trying to kind of keep perspective on it right things like i remember you know when at the same time that we we were kind of moving one of my kids had a, a, a peer whose family was also moving and her family was moving because i think her parents had gotten divorced and were getting remarried and also a big move and the difference was that that she was moving and her family was splintering, right? And and it was like one of the things that we could kind of say, look, yes, this is rough, and we're moving, and you, I know, I know it's hard for you. At least we're moving together, right? And I mean, parenting pro tip: if you ever want to get a middle schooler or a high schooler on board, all you just say to them is, we're doing this as a family, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like family fun, that, that oxymoron, right? Yeah. But again, like that idea that we're in this together, right? We're in this together and, and you know, 
perspective, right? Yes, it's rough. Not Let's not pretend it's all rosy and it's not thing. Let's acknowledge what it is and also see how we can shift our perspective just a little to kind of see um, um, if there's something we can we can feel a little bit better about. Wow. I'm, I'm intrigued. Beautiful. I'm I'm intrigued. I have a lot of respect. No, I'm intrigued <laughs> by that ad that by that something that you said that I, I'm thinking of that's circling in my head. And that is that what Robinson Gill is saying is that it, her, she understood like not everyone's gonna be happy. Like mm-hmm. my job is not your you didn't see your job as making sure everyone's happy. It's not like, okay, is this move gonna be good for, you know, uh Yankel and da, 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 and going through all, all your age children. You're like, I need to be there for them. This is gonna be tough. They're gonna have to deal with it. And it's my job to be there to support them, but not necessarily to make a decision based on what's gonna make them happy. Is is that am I saying that correct? Um it's, it's an interesting question and 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 maybe I'm a bit you know, controversial, radical on this, but I don't think as parents, it's our job to make our kids happy. I think that's our our job to be there for our kids, to do what's best for them, to try and do what's best for them within the limited spheres that we have, but we can't make them happy. We can just try and set them up for success and set them up for, for positivity. I just think a lot of times like when, when we try and set the goal of my kids' happiness, I think it interferes with with the job that we need to do as parenting. Because sometimes as a parent, you're gonna do things that are gonna make them really unhappy, right? Think about brushing your kids' teeth. Again, I don't know what listeners are thinking about, but I know when it comes to brushing my kids' teeth, they hate it, right? It makes them miserable. And yet I do it every single day because it's good for them, right? And I think we recognize it on that. And the same thing, here is that when you move somewhere new, the way I looked at it is, will there be something for them? Yes. Do I know? And and maybe this is because we've moved so many times and we kind of thought, you know, whatever, we know what we're doing. Like One of the things that I I, I feel like has the, the journey of moving so many times has done is kind of humbled me and realized like, you know, so little right? I know so little about what's going to be and what things, right? So we try and make the best decision, right? And it's, it's the best decision is never made in a vacuum. It's always made when you weigh something up, like what's the better choice of the two, right? And when you have more than one child, or forget about more than one child, when you have more than one person within that decision-making process, it's what's the overall best choice. So, so, it's it's kind of and, and and there's also I think a difference between them happy right now versus happiness long term, right? You know, and and if you're dealing with a move, it's going to be rough. There's going to be a lot of rough spots, right? There's going to be days where they come home, um, and they've had a rough day at school. And 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 I remember one of one of the teachers here when, that we met when when she first introduced us, like, what can I do to help the kids? This is talking about the high schoolers. She says just recognize that it's going to be a process right it's going to be a process for them to be to 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 integrate and to feel like this is this is where i where i belong now so so that's kind of what i mean is is that and, and again i guess i guess it gets into the whole question of of how do we achieve happiness yeah, right which I again say, I, I think it really depends and i i really appreciate this perspective a lot i think that um knowing that when your children are like 
if your children are content, you know, content and happiness are not the same thing, but it's, it's very easy to just blaze over something that might be pulling and, and trying to, you know, encourage their growth or encourage their stretching in a way that is not going to feel happy. But if something is like, maybe content is a better way. Like, I, although when you're telling them that they're moving, you know, to a different, uh, completely different place, I'm sure they weren't feeling so content, but the right. support and that, that what you discussed before, like that being in place, hopefully will lend itself to that feeling of being content. But I think it does go very much into that topic of really like, you know, is our goal to achieve, is our goal to constantly achieve that state of happiness. And especially when we're talking about our kids, like it's a really important question. It's a really important question. Cause like you would say your automatic like reaction would be like, of course, of course I want my child to be happy. And yet like we've seen that when you can pull a child out of that happiness and shake them up a little bit and stretch them, and maybe that will lead to in the long run, a little bit more happiness, even though, you know, at the time it felt very yucky. Right. Hampton. And I want to, I want to, um, I want to clarify a little bit, cause I'm not like, I don't want to come across as this ogre parent that like, whatever, you know, like, yeah. of course we want our kids to be happy. I think our job as parents is to give them the skills that will help them achieve that happiness, right? Skills yeah. like resilience and, 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 and positivity and perspective and empathy and all these things and, and, and learning to find themselves, right? Which goes into the whole question of how do we achieve happiness? And, and well, again, I'm sure I cover it in my book, but, but, um, short-term happiness is not you know like as a parent we sometimes have to do things that will teach our kids the skills and I think it might be more helpful to ask ourselves the question of is this going to be good for my child right or how can I make this good for my child right so we're going through a rough period right now how can I make it good for my child as opposed to how can I make my child happy is I can support them mm -hmm. right I can model, you know, I can be honest with them and authentic with them about how it's rough for me as well. And I can model the little things that I'm doing to try and make it better, right? And these are all skills we can teach them that, please God, will lead to long-term happiness in the in the time. But it's not necessarily going to be like, you know, whatever, like right now that they're happy, but hopefully by supporting them and, and empathizing, empathizing with them and and you know and teaching them all those modeling all those resilient skills we can give them the skills that will make them happy i'm curious to hear a little bit more about your own because you you do so many different things as an author podcaster instagrammer uh Rebitson, that's a lot and you know i I'm never a fan. I actually really don't like the question when people ask someone like, oh, how do you do it all? You know, I don't right. like it. It's, it's one of the worst questions to me. I feel like it's, I almost feel like it's a judgmental question. You know, like, what part do I do all? What exactly, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm not doing like it all. People ask me from time, like, like, oh, how yeah. did, how did you find the time to write a book? And I was like, well, like, what are you, what are you asking? Like, if you, are you asking me for strategies, how to write a book? I could answer that, but how do I, like, do you know the intricacies of my life that you, like, you can ask me, how do I find the time? So I don't like that. I find that it to be a judgmental question, <laughs> but um, uh, without, at, without phrasing it that way, I guess my question is obviously doing all of those things 
uh, does require a lot of time in in solitude or focused on your own personal projects. And do you ever find a clash between focusing on your own development as a public figure versus what your kids having their expectations for you uh, as a mother? Or, or, or not, I shouldn't say as a, as a mother, or your husband, uh, as, as, you know, expecting a yeah. certain amount of attention from his wife. A hundred percent. And and to be honest, like the reason why I hate that question is because when I hear that question, the only thing it brings up to me is all those balls that I keep dropping. Right. Right. Exactly. It's almost judgmental. Like you're for sure not doing all of this. So like, tell me, like, what's the real secret? Like, what are you doing wrong in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't think we have enough time for this <laughs> on today's podcast, right? Um, and hundred percent, hundred percent, it's an ongoing, every single day question of of you know, um, and and I hope, I hope that over the time I've become a little bit more, you know, conscious and a little and a little bit better about it. But what I try to do, what I try to do, is kind of my family always comes first. Right? It doesn't mean I'm. It doesn't mean I'm good at it or perfect at it, but I try to to always kind of say, you know what, like my my family my family comes first. But and it's hard because part of the work that I think we do, and maybe you guys can relate to it, is not at family friendly times, right? Like, <laughs> you know. Yes. <laughs> right, that, and, that deserves a very long pause. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Not at family. Like I give a class on a Wednesday evening, right? And I go out. Like I go out. It's it's whatever. I, you know. And it's like I just feel so guilty every single time. It's like my kid like looks at me and like, why do you always have to go out? Doesn't matter that we spent the whole you know two or three hours beforehand. Like why do you always? And it, it, I feel so guilty. And the reality is, we live in an imperfect world. We all do, right? And all we can do is try and make choices, small choices to make that imperfect, non-ideal world. Like everyone is grappling with, with I think, the balance, right? And it's interesting because you said at the beginning of it how like we're different, but we're, we're, we're the same. And I think that applies to all of us, right? You know, you see people and they look so different from us. They live such different lives and whatever. And most of us are grappling with the same issues and and that's part of why I loved when um the book that I wrote which is called Living Beautifully um it's based on on Pirkei which was written thousands of years ago and the reason why I was so passionate about it is because for us we maybe for me right we look at the Talmud and we look at the you know these rabbis that lived thousands of years ago like what relevance like they're, they're living such different lives and yet when you put it apart when you read through it and you look through it it's like oh my gosh they were grappling with the same issues right the context may have been different but the grapple that the 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 human struggles that they have like even how it applies to our lives with social media is the same right and it, it just blew my mind every single time which is why which is like i think and it's, it's such a you know we, we live different lives yet we're all sort of struggling with similar issues and similar struggles yeah absolutely there's a there, there's a line you know we the the podcast is 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 kid friendly and not that I you know use language in you know my day to day life and I I won't now but there's I saw one of these you know short Instagram you know sound bites where uh, someone says uh, 
like if you think you're the only one that doesn't know what the blank is going on you should just know like none of us know what the blank is going on and there was something very validating about that specifically actually the language itself sometimes when you like insert you know the right word at the right time um right. but I, I i appreciate i appreciate that um do you want to weigh in on anything about that about life balance i'm sure everything that there is that there is said. so much to be said i i don't have that much time left so i don't know if you want to um you can it. comment and then we'll move on to the next no i just i i very very much i i i I agree very, very much. And I think that that's, it really goes back to that topic, what you were saying before about, about giving our kids the tools and, and knowing, you know, constantly having to weigh that out, you know, like knowing that this has to happen, but also being empathetic and then moving forward and just trying to really think about the bigger picture. And um, oftentimes I find that things that I felt like were going to wreck something in the moment um, ends up becoming, it when handled properly, um, one of the best memories or one of the things that we can really reflect on with such with such beauty and great memories. So I think that's the goal, um, you know, and, and for me personally, like sometimes people ask me all the time, how do I do it all? I always hate that question. And I always say, you first of all, you have no idea the intricacies of my life. And, and I will tell you right now, I am not doing it all at all. So, you know, just, you know, just whatever you think is going on in someone else's life, like you just really have no idea. But, um, but I think that it's, it's, it's a real constant struggle and constantly having to weigh out. And I think for me, the times that I really can be deliberate and know like this really, this is, this is the priority and this is the the boundary that I'm putting up. It's not going to be, you know, cross over in that way. And, and then acting accordingly, it makes a huge difference. And I like to think about the term of, um, of putting up warm boundaries, like boundaries don't need to feel like ice. You know, I like to think of boundaries feeling warm and, and with thought and with love and with intention and with growth in mind. And I think that when we can think about those warm boundaries that we're putting up, it creates a very different atmosphere. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. And one of um talking about Instagram sound bites, one of the things that I, I saw that really impacted me was a a statement that said, um, the only place you're irreplaceable is at home. Mm. Right? Yeah. You know, and it, it's true. Okay, so I know we don't have tons of time left, but I do want to go back to something that we said early when we introduced the the podcast in the beginning, and that is connecting this back to this time of year and uh, entering into these Torah portions. You know, why exactly our sages, our mystics, why they connect this time of year specifically to working, to focusing on the family? I, I believe, even just besides for the whole, you know, mystical relevance of what the Jewish people going down to Egypt was, I think that there's a, a very powerful line in the Talmud that attributes the redemption from Egypt, the survival in Egypt, not just the redemption, but the survival in Egypt, the Talmud says, tzidkanios, it was in the merit of the righteous women that the Jewish people made it through their time in Egypt. And the, the Talmud goes on and it speaks about how the women built up the morale of their husbands, certainly, obviously, their, their children as well, but the Talmud specifically in that passage is focusing on their husbands and really attributes a lot of the maintenance of the family unit in Egypt 
to the women. And therefore, the survival, the, at least the spiritual survival and the morale survival of the Jewish people in Egypt had a lot to do with the women and the way they were able to sort of build up the morale of, of uh, their husbands. And um, I, you know, here, because we have two dynamic Rebetzins, I'd I, I be curious, you know, Rebetzin Gila, when you read this piece of Talmud, uh, what is it telling us? What, what, what is it? How is it speaking to women today? What, what do you see the message of this piece of Talmud for today's woman? So that 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 is um that is a really really good question and and it's so interesting because I mean I think this sort of question comes up um um doesn't matter how religious people are right and it's interesting I was having a conversation with a group of 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 women who aren't religious right like so it's not just a religious issue but as a woman I hear that and very you 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 tell me if you relate to this and, and it's like. Yeah, of course, right? Like we know that the woman kind of holds, and there's there's a lot of talk about like the women hold the mental load, and and even though we live, we're supposed to live in a world where there's gender equality or whatever, the reality is that women kind of hold the load of the family, right? They do, and they hold, and that kind of holds the load of the community, and and you know it's. It's interesting. Someone recently said to me, um, "We're building a committee," and it happened to be that that most of the people on the committee are women. And they were like, "How comes that's so strange that it's most of it is women?" But the women generally are, are the ones that much more than men, right? Men and women have different um, strengths and different things that go out there and build and and do things, right? So they have tremendous power and tremendous influence right and to me what that is 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 saying is recognize right recognize the power the influence we have right as as women the way we connect to other people right the way we 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 connect you know if someone's married the way they connect to 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 the spouse and and obviously to me i don't see it as it's your responsibility versus it's his responsibility because they're, you know, to make a relationship work between a husband and wife, you need both, right? But it's it's saying recognize your power, right? Recognize the influence that you have. Very nice. I'm going to push a little bit more, and I kind of feel like I have to ask okay. this question and then leave the room so you can really speak freely. But... Uh, <laughs> Going back to the piece of Talmud, we have again this emphasis very much. The Talmud goes on, and the Talmud says that how the women use their feminine gifts, they use their sensuality, they use their romantic abilities to really rebuild their husbands. And I noticed something fascinating that this seems to be a theme in almost all of our victory stories. You know, like we have like the Hanukkah and we were originally going to record before Hanukkah. We didn't get a chance to do that. But, you know, you have in the Hanukkah story, you have that the redemption came about because Yehudis used her feminine charm and she wooed the general and then she ended up assassinating him. It's a great story, right? Real women's empowerment story. And then we have the story of Esther and sort of the turning point in Megillus Esther. The book of Esther is Esther going into Ahasuerus and him being captivated by her and she creates now a change of heart. It seems like a repetitive theme in all of our major holidays and all of our major stories of victory that there is a woman behind it, but also kind of using her feminine 
charm. What do you see as the, the what, what, what are our sages, what Jewish tradition is communicating to us by sort of making that the focal point of almost every major story that we have? So I love, love, love that question. Um, and I'll tell you what, I think very often when it comes to things in life, we kind of look at it and we say, is it good or is it bad? And we're totally off base with that question, because instead of asking is something good or bad, we, what we need to be asking is something, how powerful is something? Because nothing in life is inherently either good or bad, right? It's morally neutral, but some things are a little bit powerful and some things are very powerful, right? Like if you think about someone who has a little bit of money, right? Is money good or bad? It's it's morally neutral. Depends what you do with it, right? Mm -hmm. But someone who has a little bit of, of money has a little bit of power. Someone who has a lot of money has a lot of power. Now, someone who has a lot of power can do a lot of good or a lot of harm. When we look at um, intimacy, it is beyond powerful. So, so I love that you've highlighted it. And we, I think if you look at the world around us, how much of the world around us focuses on it and how much of it drives, right, advertising, um, you know, so it, it, it's an incredibly powerful energy that we have in our lives, right? If you think about it, we can create a human through that, right? Like, that's, that's insane, right? If you think about it for a second, like, this thing, right, it, it, it's the glue, right? It's a part of the glue of a marriage, right? It's, it's incredibly powerful. Right now. So the fact that you're highlighting that it's so central to so many of our stories totally makes sense, because here you have this incredibly powerful energy in this world, this incredibly powerful thing in this world. And our question is not, is it good or bad, but how are we going to take this incredibly powerful thing and use the powerful, the, the power to build and not, God forbid, destroy? That's beautiful. Beautifully said. You want to add on to this? And there's there's so much to say, but I I I think it's just really important to remember, like, and especially during this time of year, but like really remembering that we have that power. And exactly like you're saying, Gila, like it, it could go either way. And that that energy that we can potentially be able to really harness could be used so the wrong way. But I think it's also just very, very powerful to just like really pause and internalize that, like to really think about what the what the power is in our own homes, in in building our our marriage in that way, in setting a certain tone. And and you know, and that that really starting within ourselves, into our marriages, into our families, into the communities, into the world. Like I think it may it's it's just very powerful to the effect that it could have. One one final question, and then I also just want to hear, I want to end off by hearing a little bit more about your book, but one final question on this, and then we'll speak about your book, and then we'll close up shop. Um, but, you, you know, you mentioned how in the world, the world uses this power, power of sexuality so much in advertising and things like that. And, you know, you're, you're building a family of eight children and moving from place to place and some places and, and and not always in the most sheltered environments you know you're the places that you've lived haven't been Yerushalayim or Lakewood New Jersey or right I mean you've been and you've been in places where I'm sure they've got a lot of exposure I mean listen I know Colorado right um so how do you give over to your children I we can do a whole podcast episode if this would have been the first question this would have been the whole yeah. episode and I know we're just you know we're but whatever whatever nuggets we can get 
you know, all these podcasts are always like that. But how do you infuse all of the things that you just mentioned, the holiness of, of this? How do you infuse that to your children in a way that is uh, age appropriate to them and in a way that they feel comfortable hearing about it from you as as their mother and one who's you know supposed to guide them in, in these areas? Right. And as you said, it is a huge, huge topic and something that like I love to talk about and passionate about. And um um but and and it's it's not well, you can go long. We're not in a rush. Well, I'm not in a rush, but you can you can go <laughs> answer it, you know, um, as much whatever you want to say on it. Right. But I, I, just a couple things. I think relationship, the relationship that we have with our kids is super, super important. It's the foundation, right? Because in order to give anything over to our kids they have to trust us, right? They have to know that we care about them, we love them, we want what's best for them. And the other thing um, um, that, that I'm gonna say is conversations, ongoing conversations, right? We have to be comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations with our kids. We have to be open to having those conversations with our kids. Um, and and we can't. It's not a one and done thing, right? It's not a one and done like you know. Okay, let's have the let's have the talk and then we're done, right? This has to be something that we are constantly comfortable having, like real conversations about it, where we can listen to our kids, right? Where they can kind of feel comfortable saying things to us, and and you know that that we can be uncomfortable with. There's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. Again, authenticity, I think, in a relationship is is vital. It's very important, right? To so that but but to know that that we can have these com conversations with our kids. And the other the, the final thing that I'm gonna say again, there's a lot more, but the final thing I'm gonna I'm gonna say is is I once um I was once having particular um um challenges with one of my kids and I went and I asked a professional for advice and one of the things that she said to me was which was so so um um you know life-changing for me was she said she said yes you know you're gonna have whatever but focus on the good right flood them the, the good times right like and, and you know like when we have trouble and whatever and we look outside the world and it's interesting because we've lived in so many places some more sheltered some less sheltered my opinion is you cannot shelter kids. You absolutely cannot shelter kids. But what we can and must do is flood them with the good, right? Flood them with the good, focus on the good. For ourselves, find out what the Jewish approach to sexuality and intimacy is, right? Find out why, right? Find out what the consequences of it are. And then just flood those good times right flood them with the good because Judaism is a system right and then again that's one of the things that I kind of I kind of um, sh sh I'm trying to show in the book is that it's a system right it's not just one isolated thing right so when when if we can flood our kids and our homes with the good right the beauty of Shabbat the beauty of how Judaism teaches us to care for other people Judaism teaches us to care for our kids etc etc then hopefully the exposure that they have will, you know, because there's only certain what will take up less of that pie because we're 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 bringing more of that good into that pie. Yes, is there a final word on this topic? I don't, I don't, I don't have anything. I mean, I don't have anything other to add. Really, I think that those are really the the big, the big components. I love how you said it's an ongoing conversation. I think that that's very. Um, 
very true. This is a, com- you know, th- this kind of talk, this relationship that we have with our kids. But I think also we have to take the lead on also, not just wait for them to come. But... Right. I really appreciate that, that idea that it's like an ongoing conversation. And um, yeah, I, I, I love, I love everything that you said, Gila. Beautiful. Tell us a little bit about your book. What drove you specifically about, first of all, tell us the title, Living Beautifully. What is the, what's, what's the the drive behind so much about a book in, in the title itself, why you chose specifically the topic that you chose. And uh, yeah, what, like, I'm curious to hear. So I never set out to write a book. <laughs> what happened was um, during COVID, uh, I wanted to offer something to, to, at that point, it was particularly women. Um, and so, and, the women that I were dealing with were were mums, and they were stretched, and you know, time stretched, and they were they, and yet looking for something meaningful to 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 do. So what I decided to do is I decided to go through Pirkei Avot, which is the part of the Talmud, uh, part of the Torah that focuses on um, ethics and values, like how we live an ethical value, uh, um, a meaningful life, and to do it in two episodes a week up to 15 minutes so each one was five or seven minutes and over six and nine months we'd finished the whole of Perkavot and I did that and it was really 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 well received so so when it when when I finished that project it was also an incredibly difficult project to to do um that consistency of doing it every every um twice a week so when I finished it someone asked me what's next so I jokingly said, well, you know, there's all this great material. And I one of the things that I loved was how relevant and how it gives us these tools, these skills, these values of just living a life with more meaning, with more joy, with more love in, in, in our lives. And I jokingly said, I'd like to put it in, into a book. And um, eventually, you know, with <laughs> ups and downs, it became a book. Wow. And what I really wanted to convey was that this, these are incredible time-tested strategies, wisdom that really just enhance our lives that bring back the subtitle of my book is how to bring more meaning, joy, meaning, joy, and love into your life based on the timeless wisdom of Perkel Vox. Cause that's what it does, right? Our con- the context of the human struggle has changed, but the content is the same. Amazing. The book is called Living Beautifully by Gila Ross and Gila's podcast is Power Up! Exclamation point. That exclamation point is like part of the power up mm, exclamation point. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you are on uh, Instagram at the official. Is it Gila Ross or the official Gila it, Ross? It's Gila Ross. Gila Ross. It's Gila Ross. It's Gila Ross. And yeah. uh, so much great content. Thank you for providing all of it for sharing your content with the world. And thank you for sharing your time today and really allowing us a window into your life, which seems to be an incredible life mm-hmm. and an inspiring life. And I'm sure that the listeners uh, gained a lot of insight into just what it means to to live, to have a family, to build a home, to go through transitions and challenges. And I know for, for me, like I certainly gained from that as well. So we really appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been a really, it's been a really um, interesting conversation. So thank you, thank you so much thank for having me. That. Okay, check her out, Gila Ross, and uh, we'll see everyone uh, on the next episode of the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.